How's it going, A's fans? Welcome to episode five of the Locked On A's podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm noted baseball fan Jason Burke, and today we're going to be talking about the uh, penalties that the Astros got handed on, was it Monday? Yeah, it's been a long couple of days, so I apologize for this getting up so late, but, uh, you know, life. Um, so we're going to talk about the Astros and all of that stuff, and then we're also going to talk about the A's edition of Tony Kemp to the second base mixture, because uh, things are just getting cloudier over there. So it's going to be a little megapod and probably be the only one for the week. Um, I'm going to be out of town for a couple of days, and then I got a bunch of work. So we're going to do one big podcast, and we'll talk about everything that we can right now. And if something big happens, then maybe I'll be able to find a few minutes to you know do a, do a quick pod, an emergency pod, if you will. So uh, yeah, that that's what we got going for the week. Um, we'll be back, you know. Full schedule next week and all that. Um, but I feel like we, we should probably start talking about the Astros because, you know, screw those guys. So if you somehow haven't heard by now, the uh, uh, Major League Baseball came up with their ruling and the ruling against the Astros for sign stealing and winning World Series was... We'll, we'll get to my opinions on this in a minute. I'll just run through the facts. Uh, Jeff Luno and A.J. Hinch were both suspended for one year from baseball. Uh, they were later fired by owner Jim Crane. And then uh, they are going to lose their first and second round picks for 2020 and 2021. And then they also got a fine of $5 million, which is the maximum allowed fine in the baseball rules, which seems like not that much. But you know what? That's like a half a win player. Oh, well. Um, so those are the fines. You got Luno and Hinch, no longer with the Astros after being fired by the owner, who is doing his own bananas stuff. Um, you got the first and second round picks gone for two years and then fine a fine billion dollars. So that seems light. I mean, is it just me? It, it feels like that's not enough. They, they won a world series because they cheated and were lauded about and they've made how many millions of dollars because of all of this. And this equates to a slap on the wrist because nothing happens to the, you know, the players at all. Commissioner Manfred said that it'd be too hard to decipher which players did what and how they benefited, so it'd be hard to hand down punishments and blah, blah, blah. But you're the commissioner of baseball, and if you're not going to punish the players at all for this, then you're kind of opening the door for more of it to happen, don't you think? Because since they won the World Series, um, Jose Altuve got a big contract extension. Alex Bregman got a big contract extension. They have benefited from the cheating and they don't get any repercussions their way whatsoever. Um, you got George Springer, who's going to be a free agent after this season. He's not going to have to face any of the consequences that the team is going to have to because they're losing two draft picks. And if those would have panned out, they would have come in like 2025, 2024. I mean, even L2V and Bregman, I don't know when their contracts are up. I could look that up real quick and, you know, edit this back, but they're going to be at the end of their contracts. They're not going to have to deal with any of this stuff either. It, it's a little ridiculous that the people that were in the room don't have to deal with any of the consequences that are hurting the team. And that, that boggles my mind. There's that saying that goes around, flags fly forever. And obviously that is very true because they get to put, post that up in Enron Field forever because they won by cheating. I don't... It doesn't make sense to me. They they got all of these 
you know, all of that extra money from, you know, just ticket revenue, merchandise, renewed interest in the team because they were in a World Series uh, hunt and all that. And then they've been good the last couple of years, arguably through some more cheating. And they're making all of this money. What's $5 million for Jim Crane? Uh, Fangraphs ran something from the 2019 season where uh, I think they figured out that those slots that the Astros would have had at like 30 and 70 something, uh, they're worth like $28 million in future value. But I mean, by that time, who's to say that the Astros would be good? A lot can change with, you know, the, the players that they would have had right now probably wouldn't be on the team anymore because players age and get worse and then retire eventually. So who's to say by the time these players would have been good anyway, or, you know, ready to make their major league debut if they were to make the major leagues, uh, that they, they being the Astros in this case, wouldn't be ready for another full down, you know, full tear down rebuild and just start from, you know, the studs again and that they would need all of this stuff. They, they might be trading these guys anyway. So I don't see how this is a big penalty to the Astros. I'm sure that Jim Crane probably differs with me on this one, but uh, he can fight me. It's fine. And then if you go slightly further into the penalties, uh, if the Astros sign a free agent that would cost them a draft pick, then they're allowed to do that so they can still be competitive if they want to and spread out the penalties over a longer period of time. So if they sign somebody next offseason that would cost them a draft pick, they, if they re-sign George Springer, that doesn't count. But uh, like if they sign Mookie Betts, uh, obviously he's going to be offered a qualifying offer. They could sign him for a bunch of money and then just give their draft pick to the uh, Red Sox. And then their you know first-round pick from 2021 is now in 2022. So Major League Baseball gets that pick in 2022. And that seems ridiculous. You should, if you're trying to hurt the team, you hurt the team. You don't be like, oh, you can, you know, take your medicine whenever you want to. That's how you get better. No, if you're sick, you take the medicine. That's how that works. That's how medicine works. Not to mention, while they're, you know, not taking their medicine, they get to add Mookie Betts in this scenario. So they could keep their major league team just fine, maybe even improve it, while also skirting around the punishment that Major League Baseball handed down. That's a little stupid to me, if you ask me. And this is my podcast, so you did. Thank you for tuning in. Hit subscribe wherever you get your podcast. Uh, Locked on A's. And also, what's to stop, you know, a rogue GM and manager from doing this in the future? I mean, the owner kind of gets a little bit of, you know, uh, blowback, but they're making millions on millions and are they going to win the World Series every year? No. They could just take their medicine for a couple of years and then they're like, oh, hey, look, we can rebuild and we're fine. What's to, you know, stop the Marlins from doing this? I mean, the Marlins already win once every decade and then are terrible anyway, so why not just cheat and win that once every decade? And I'm just picking two names out of a hat here just because I know that they're, you know, a little advanced in age and probably don't have a lot of time left with it. Well, I mean, Bruce Bochy is one of them, so he's already retired. But uh, a lot of time, you know, left on the bench or in the office and whatnot. Uh, so if you had Bruce Bochy in his retirement year and Dave Dombrowski, who is a great GM, but, you know, he will shred a team anyway by all of his trades. If they were both like, hey, you know what, let's cheat a whole bunch and win the World Series and then we're going to retire. We don't got to deal with any repercussions because they're just going to suspend us. Ha 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 ha. I mean, really, this is the groundwork that they laid out in this ruling and 
if you don't care about what you're doing later, but you get a ring, and again, flags fly forever. Uh, what's the what's to stop anybody from doing this if you're the GM and the the manager? It the owner has a little bit of you know they got to figure out how to rebuild, but the GM's not going to have to deal with that. The manager is going to you know be retired, and I I don't get why this is the punishment. And maybe that's just the Ace fan in me talking. I I mean, maybe it'll be huge and the Astros won't win another World Series ever again. But it's kind of hard to make that case when they're already so good and the players on the field aren't, you know, affected in any way. And they have, well, they, they haven't named anybody as their GM or their manager, but the going theory is that Joe Espada, their bench coach, and who was up for a lot of other managerial jobs, so he's capable of doing the job, uh, is just going to take over, and he already knows the system. So how much are they really losing between Hinch and Espada? Probably nada. And how hard can it really be to go out and make a trade for Zach Greinke where you're eating a whole bunch of money and giving up some prospects? I mean, I could do that. If you want me to, Houston, that'd be fine. We're going to have a different culture where, you know, people don't berate women reporters in locker rooms after a win, but, you know, I'll do it. It'd be fine. And if I get the job, Billy Bean, give me a call. Or better yet, just slide in my DMs. That's Locked On A's on Twitter, or me personally at ByJasonB. Uh, I can be reached either one pretty consistently, unless I'm, you know, a little slammed at work. But, you know, even then, my, my watch vibrates. I get the alerts. I'll respond, Billy. So how does this all affect the A's in the end? Um, not not really, at least immediately. You know, it might make them winning the division a little bit easier in a couple of years once Jim Crane stops spending money, but that's not even a guarantee. Um, they're Again, I think they're going to let George Springer go, so that makes the team worse, and then they already lost Garrett Cole and whatever, but you, you still got other teams in the division that are going to be trying, so... Maybe the Astros suck, but, you know, Texas is going for it again. They got a new ballpark, and uh, we'll see how you can hit there or pitch there. They've had problems doing one of those. Um, and then, you know, the Angels are spending money again. They still got Mike Trout and Shohei Otani. They signed Anthony Rendon. They're going to be an interesting club. Uh, do they have anybody that can throw a baseball on the mound? We're going to find out. But, uh, you know, the we're getting back around to it. The Astros penalties don't really have much of an impact on the A's, in my opinion, um, moving into 2020. It's more of a down-the-road kind of thing, and by then it might not even matter in the division. So whatever. Um, so that's super fun. I, I feel like the when Houston and Oakland play against each other, though, Mike Fires, if he uh, is on the mound, there is going to be some, some fireworks. I'm looking forward to it. Some fires works. Yeah. Actually, that might be the repercussions that the Astros face on the field in 2020 is all every single team just being pissed at them for cheating. And, I mean, I'm not going to say that, you know, you get the outlaw justice by, you know, throwing at guys or anything, but it's probably going to happen at least once where, you know, Correa gets dinged and then there's an altercation or something. Um, I hope that the A's don't, you know, go headhunting or anything like that. But if they want to send, like, one to the, you know, the butt on the first pitch of the first game, 
that's fine. But don't make it a season-long thing. That'd be terrible. Um, I assume that something's going to happen at the All-Star Game in Los Angeles. That would be interesting. They are going to be booed mercilessly wherever they go. But the All-Star Game might be must-watch if there's a bunch of Astros going. And I'm super here for it because I'm catty AF. Okay, so I think that's all that I actually have to say about the Astros penalties. And we'll see what happens with Boston going on. It seems as though Alex Cora is going to get even worse than, you know, Hinch and Lunau got. So maybe he gets a lifetime ban. Maybe he gets two years. I, I don't know. But it seemed like he was the ringleader. He was mentioned a whole bunch of times in their report. And uh, he did it for two different teams that won World Series. So that can't be good for, you know, for him. It, who gives a crap what happens to Alex Cora? So what do you think about, you know, the, the penalties that got handed down? Do you like them? Do you, were they too harsh, too soft, just right? Other options between those three Goldilocks ones? Um, hit me up on Twitter at ByJasonB personally or Locked on A's for the podcast. Let me know what you think, and, uh, you know, I'll mention it on air for the next episode. But now, finally, after a week of waiting, it is time to talk about second base. It got cloudier because right after the Astros news, you know, hit the airwaves on Monday, the A's also acquired Tony Kemp from the Cubs, former Astros player. They, he was teammates with Mike Fires. Maybe they're going to have a lot of stories to tell about, you know, cheating cheaters. It'd be great. Um, but, you know, basically he plays second base and he can play all the outfield positions. That's why they got him. Because they need a left-handed bat, they can play second base. And so now there are, I believe, Five, four. Okay, you got Vimeo Machine. He's the Rule 5 guy that they got from the Phillies through the Cubs. Sorry, from the Cubs through the Phillies. Either one, it doesn't matter. Um, you got Tony Kemp, who's new and we'll see how he does. You got Jorge Mateo, who's speedy and can play, again, all over the place. He's played mostly up the middle, you know, shortstop and second base with the A's. He has played in the outfield in the minor leagues as well. Just not in a couple years. And then you got Frank Limbaretto, who strikes out a whole bunch and has a high ceiling, but he hasn't put it together yet. So, welcome to second base! Oh, there's also Sheldon Noisy, who's probably the one of the better options out of this group. But he also has three uh, minor league options left. So, does he really have a great chance at making the opening day roster? If... You know, the A's want to keep a couple of these guys? Probably not. But if they struggle, okay, let's get into it. I don't think Sheldon Noisy has a chance at opening day roster. No knock against him. I think he's actually, again, one of the better options that the A's have right now. But you got Kemp, Mateo, and Barreto. They're all out of minor league options. So if they don't make the team, then they're subjected to waivers. And... Kemp might be able to clear waivers, but there's got to be another team out there that's going to be like, oh no, we can fix him, even though he's 28 and all that stuff. He might be able to clear waivers. Um, Barreto and Mateo, no way. Uh, there's too many rebuilding teams. They haven't had a lot of experience in the majors. Somebody would take a chance on them, whether it's the Marlins who have added you know, a bunch of interesting players, but like fringy interesting players, like... Uh, Jonathan VR and a bunch of other guys. I, I keep getting updates that they're signing people. I'm like, oh, that's nice. 
Yeah, they're fine. Okay, cool. Whatever. Go Marlins. And then, you know, the Orioles, the Tigers. I'm so used to saying the White Sox at this point, but they're actually decent now. Um, are they good? Who's to say? But we'll find out in just about a month. Because spring training starts soon. Um, yeah, so, I mean, there's enough teams that could use a second baseman or a shortstop, or if they want to throw Mateo or Barreto in the outfield, you know, let them do it. Um, yeah, so they'd be gone. And Vimeo Machine being a um, Rule 5 pick, he has to stay on the big league roster the whole season, or he is uh, offered back to the team that he was drafted from. So, I bl- again, I believe it's the Cubs, even though they got him from the Phillies because the Phillies drafted him in the Rule 5 draft. Hey, if you know this, can you uh, hit me up on Twitter and let me know? Because I'm pretty sure that he's offered back to the Cubs, but I'm not positive. Um, so, yeah, th- those are the four options. And then Noisy can, you know, be laying in wait until there's an opening for him. That is, unless the A's go out and make another trade for a second baseman, which had been speculated for a while. They had been connected to Adam Frazier for a second. And in a Facebook group that I'm in, I asked Pirates fans, hey, would you guys trade Adam Frazier? Because I know that he's not like an integral part of the team and you guys are kind of rebuilding. Would that be something you guys would be interested in? Because, you know, he's a decent hitter and whatnot. They're like, his defense is terrible. Please take him. So that kind of soured me on Adam Frazier, even though he sounded decent and kind of like what the A's were going for. He's he's 28 and cost-controlled and all that stuff. Uh, I got a couple suggestions for Jason Kipnis, and I, I I don't like that idea, personally. Um, is he a better option than what they have? Like, as a known quantity? Yes. But his ceiling isn't very high. Unlike Machine and Mateo and even Barreto, maybe. Maybe Kemp. Kemp. He might be able to beat Kemp out. But I still like Tony Kemp a little bit. Uh... He's a little speedy. He'd be one of the faster guys on the A's, but the A's are not a notoriously fast team. He is actually slower than I thought. Um, The problem with gauging his speed on StatCast is that he doesn't get a lot of runs in that are, you know, first to third or where they can actually, like, gauge his speed. So last year he was, like, well below league average. The year before he was well above. And there was, like, a two feet per second difference which seems like a huge drop-off for somebody going from 27 to 28. So I think that it was just a small sample size kind of thing. So basically, uh, I don't like Jason Kipnis, and he wouldn't you know, excite me in any way. So uh, hopefully that doesn't happen either. The other one that has been tossed around a bunch is Jed Lowry, who would be in his age 36 season, and he missed all but eight plate appearances last year. They were all pinch hits. Um... And that was all at the end of the year. I believe he'd been hurt all year with various ailments. But uh, in 2018 with Oakland, he was an all-star. And he, you know, he's the doubles guy, if you remember any of his 10 years with the A's. Um, He's owed $10 million next season. And the Mets would probably be willing to pay a decent amount of that. So if they paid like half of that, that would be very nice. But that would still be another $5 million added to the Oakland payroll, which I think is 93 and a half is what we were going with. Oh, I think I said it was 73 in the last podcast. And I posted on Twitter, hey, sorry, I, I messed that up. I misspoke. Couldn't read my handwriting. It's 93.5, I believe. Right around there. 
So that put them right up against 100, and that seems like a lot for A's ownership. Um, it's not a lot in you know the grand scheme of things, but you know, it's a lot for these guys. So would that even be enough? And then they'd have to give up you know a little bit in the prospect realm because the Mets would be eating some money. Um, so is that something the A's want to go with? I don't know. He's a proven product when healthy, but is he healthy? Paying $5 million for a question mark, even though we like the question mark, um, doesn't seem like something that the A's would want to do, um, especially when they have all these other question marks that are younger and can probably stay healthy at least. Um, you know, they got all these other options. So why spend money when you don't have to kind of thing? I could see... If they were going to sign or, you know, trade for Jed Lowry, it'd be spring training. If he's getting through spring training healthy and the A's um, just aren't seeing anything from anybody at second base that, you know, they're like, oh, that's our guy and we're going to win the West this year. Then I could see A's ownership okaying a trade that would add some uh, salary to the to the payroll um, because, you know, obviously the West is what you know, us as fans want, but I think that's also a lot of what the team wants um, so that they can avoid the wild card game completely, and that would be lovely. So unless they're seeing somebody who is standing out and is like, he's great defensively and can hit from preferably the left side, um, then, or, I mean, if they can hit and they're doing well, like, Barreto isn't going to be knocked down a peg because, you know, he hits from the right side. So, Lefty, if you have a whole thing, uh, a whole roster of righties, but they're all who, who's like Ted Williams. Sorry, he is a lefty. <laughs> that was a bad example. So say you have a one whole thing, a, a whole roster of lefties, and they're all Ted Williams. You going to complain? No. Or even Tony Gwynn, who was also a lefty. Hey, the A's need more left-handed batters is what I'm coming to realize. Okay, so I got a little sidetracked, but um, let's talk a little bit about how I see the roster shaking out because that we'll see. I'll show you kind of where I'm thinking the roster is, and then that'll give you an idea of like how many second base options we can have on the team. So I'm just going to run through everybody real quick. Um, you got Sean Murphy, and backup catcher. So that's two people. You got Matt Olson, Vimy Almachin, I put in as the second baseman just because he's the rule five pick, so he has a better shot at making the team on opening day. Uh, so that's four. You got Chapman, Semyon, Piscotti, Loriano, Grossman. That's nine uh, because of the backup, so that's why. <clears throat> and then you got uh, Chris Davis at, at for 10. I got Chad Pender, Mark Canna. And I put Jorge Mateo as the bench option. Um, so that's 13 guys right there. You got another 13 pitchers with Fires, Manaya, Montas, Bassett, Luzardo, Puck. And that brings you to 19. And then you got Hendricks, Yusmario uh, Petit, Joaquin Soria, Lou Trevino, Jake Diekman, J.B. Wendelkin. And then I put McFarland as the 26th guy uh, in the bullpen. Again, that could be somebody else. And also that's, you know, 13 pitchers is a decent amount. You get eight guys in the bullpen. They could also go with seven and protect both Mateo and uh, 
Barreto if they want to. Or they could also protect Tony Kemp, who was also out of options. So that's really what it comes down to is how many people do they want in the bullpen? If it's eight, then two guys are gone. If it's seven, one person's gone. And that one person is either, uh, and I mean, this isn't even including Daniel Mangden, who's also out of options and some other guys, but second base related only. You got Mateo, Barreto, um, and Kemp. I'm including Machine in just because he's a Rule 5 pick, and DAs don't tend to take Rule 5 guys unless they're going to make the team and get a shot. So that's what we're dealing with. And so we're probably going to have to trade at least one of them, if not two, uh, depending on what they're thinking with the bullpen. And also with Kemp, he gives them another Chad Pinder type. So you got Kemp, Pinder, and Vimeal Machin, who can all play, you know, utility roles if they want to, which adds some flexibility to their roster, um, which is, you know, obviously very nice. Um, but for me, and this is pure speculation on my part, this feels kind of like the first move of one or two, maybe. Um, and, I mean, if they want to play Kemp in the outfield a little bit, then that puts a little bit more of a crunch on the trio I'm going to go with of Grossman, Piscotti, and Canna. Um, I don't want to get rid of any of them necessarily, but you got Grossman who's making a couple million dollars next year, and then Piscotti's making 7.3, I believe. So there's money that they can move to make a bigger move if they want to, or free up space if they want to, you know, trade Piscotti for something and then bring in Jed Lowry or, you know, Matt Wieters was talked about as well and he'd probably take a couple of million dollars. So if they're really trying to stay under a certain amount against the luxury tax, well, <laughs> the luxury tax in Oakland, ha, if they're trying to stay under like a hundred million dollars, um, then moving somebody who's got a couple million dollars attached to them could be a move that they make and then they could add whatever they want to. Um, and go from there. But then again, if they're trading for another major league piece by moving one of those guys, then you're not really helping the second base situation at all. You'd be more likely to be helping, you know, either the bullpen with, you know, a free agent arm or trading for somebody like Josh Hader, which I'd be okay with. But he's out, you know, I think he's trying to get like $5 million in his first year of arbitration. So they could add, you know, a little bit there, but the prospect cost would probably be a little too high to get Josh Hader this year. Basically, this guarantees that, for me, two of these guys, two of the four guys that are going to be out of options or, you know, a Rule 5 pick, um, are going to be traded at some point before opening day. My guess is that uh, Machin will get a bunch of playing time in the early games, like starting early games, so that they can get a good gauge on how he will handle Major League pitching or, you know, even AAA pitching, because he didn't spend a lot of time in AAA either. Um to see how well his bat adjusts and then just they're going to play him as much as they can is my assumption. Um, because if he's not going to cut it, then you don't really want to give up on another, you know, like Jorge Mateo, if he was going to be trade fodder. Um, you don't want to give up that guy who could also be very good um, while, you know, taking a chance on Machin because you have to keep him on the roster the whole season. So what I'm saying is these guys are going to get plenty of opportunities in the spring to 
each for themselves. I'm sure that, you know, Machin and Mateo will probably get a little bit of time in the outfield. Maybe Barreto too. Uh, Kemp definitely will. But they're going to figure out the best one or two guys and then trade the other two and wish them the best. Um, and that's how second base is probably going to shake out. And if they all stink, then welcome to Oakland, Jed Lowry. Actually, if they all stink, that might be where we see Sheldon Noisy, uh, you know, make his way into Oakland or something. Um, basically, I, I feel like if second base is not figured out by June, let's say, like they, they pick their two guys, they're like, these are our best shots at securing second base for 2020. And it's still kind of a black hole. And if they have any, you know, defensive woes like Jerks and Profar last year, they're, the A's are going to make a trade, and it might involve, you know, a decent prospect. You know, not Sean Murphy or Puck or Luzardo or anything, but maybe Dalton Jeffries or something like that and see what they can get. Um, and they're going to go from there, but they're going to figure out second base one way or another at some point in the next couple of months. So that is second base, and uh, this is what you waited so long for. So I hope you enjoyed it. Uh, if you disagree, let me know. I, I am on Twitter, again, by Jason B. B-Y-J-A-S-O-N-B. Um, and then we're also at Locked On A's on Twitter. Um, that's pretty much it. Our DMs are open, so if you want to DM us, go ahead. That'd be fine. Uh, I'm going to be out of town for a couple of days, so I might not get back to you right away. I'm spending time with my wife, and we are going to have a good time. We're going to see one real play and one elementary school play, and, uh, I mean, if you want reviews, I'll give them. One of them's probably going to be much better than the other one. Okay, that's enough out of me. That is it for this episode. Uh, we will catch you guys again next week. Um, be sure to subscribe to the podcast. Uh, let us know what you like, what you don't like. Um, yeah, hit us up on Twitter. You know the handles by now. It's locked on A's is the podcast I am by Jason B. Um, hopefully, you know, we'll see you guys at FanFest in a couple weeks and uh, go out there and celebrate good times, Oakland. I'll talk to you guys soon.